0: from Commons Church and the Commons Podcast Network. This is Between Sundays, a conversation about finding the sacred in the everyday. I'm your host, Bobby Sockle. When we set out to create the first season of Between Sundays, we asked ourselves how many episodes would make for a complete season. And pretty quickly, and for little reason at all, we decided on five or six. And once we arranged our first five guests, we decided to throw a six in as a bonus. And that's what you're about to hear today. This is season one, episode six, the bonus episode. So what makes it a bonus? Mostly this. My guest today isn't here at Commons Church. He's not even here in Calgary. My guest today is one of my dear, dear friends. We go way, way back. Dave Vecht and I went to college together in the 90s, but only really got to know each other when he married my good friend, Christy. Now, there's a creativity to our friendship because it has reinvented itself through many seasons, living in different places, living in the same places, reading similar books, reading very different books, knowing the same people, and knowing lots of different people. But the really interesting thing to me about my friendship with Dave is how it hangs on. He's no longer married to my friend Christy, but we are still connected. And we get into some of the marvels of that connection in this episode. But more than our friendship story, I asked Dave to talk about the creative urge through the art that he makes. Dave is a potter and a painter, but mostly we talk about his painting. Dave is so thoughtful and careful and has a lot to say about the creative urge. Whether you paint pictures or color in coloring books, raise kids, write words on a page, or simply spend time marveling at the creativity in the lives around you, I really know and trust that there is something here for you. All right, let's get into it. Welcome to Between Sundays, the bonus episode. Welcome to the conversation in the first season of between sundays we we decided to explore this theme of the creative urge and i don't know why those were the words that i wanted to go with like it wasn't just creativity it wasn't just i don't know arts and culture or something i was really interested in like this urge that we have to create. So it's meant to be kind of broad. So questions like, why do we create? What do we create? How does the act of creating shape us, bring us together, maybe even divide us? Mm-hmm. So I meant for this first season to be kind of meta, like mining the creativity of people in our community, but also obviously far beyond, mm-hmm. to find inspiration for starting a new creative endeavor myself with this podcast. So now, you know, three or four of our little podcast babies are out in the world. and. It's been really interesting. I don't think I realized how how much I wanted to make something like sort of like on my own, though, very much in collaboration with some people who are, you know, John being our producer and like who have more skills in some of the tech stuff than I have. Uh, But it's been really rewarding, actually, in that way. Uh, So we finished our first season, we did five conversations, but we still had this sense that like we wanted maybe a sixth, uh, and we were looking for a bonus episode if we had the idea. So I really like the idea of of, like moving into even more of my personal life for a bonus episode, making it a little bit different, like you're not somebody who anyone's going to walk into here on a Sunday, You live in another part of the country. But you represent, like, a a lot of my own history uh, from different places where we've, like, lived and been around Mm -hmm. each other. So I thought that was kind of fun. Like, that's a bonus to be like, this is somebody from my world. Here's a conversation that we're having and Mm. deciding to share with our community and, again, beyond. (laughs) Laughter is a really high value for me. So, (laughs) you know, feel free to... So, I mean, it would be nice if somebody else swore besides me, because <laughs> I had to put this little thing at the beginning, like, oh, just so you know, listener, like, there's some language in this podcast, it and be. it's yeah. not the yeah. guest, it's me, yeah. it's, um, it's fair. but still was fun and fine and kind of life between the Sundays, if, mm-hmm. um, if I'm true to that. So let's chat a little bit more about how our paths crossed. I feel really aware that uh, like memory is a very elusive thing, like very how we so. and where we remember each other and and what that sort of is like. But I think I mean, it's 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 something I really delight in to think about, like how mm-hmm. it's it's the two of us sitting here having a chat considering mm-hmm. like all of this past. So. We went to college together. We did. But my memories of you at Briarcrest aren't, like, many.
1: No, no, (laughs)
0: You feel the same? Yeah, yeah.
1: I I feel like I remember uh, a couple of walks here and there and, like, picnic tables and a barbecue.
0: Oh, interesting. And,
1: uh, yeah, like, yeah, I, I think it's, like, the little walks between, like, the chapel and... I don't know what it is. I have very small visions of like, or pictures of, of like, like snow covered roads and at night walking or I don't know, stuff like that. That's that's what I remember.
0: That is so interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Cause like, I think about the library. Yes. The library. (laughs) I think of the library as well. Yeah. And I think about you in conversations with people around me, but like less of the conversations that we grew uh, into like when our paths came back together. So yeah. it's funny to think. I mean, what year I went to Briarcrest in 96. What mm-hmm. year did you show up? Was 97. It, uh, it was just the next year.
1: Yeah. 97 okay. to 2001, I was there.
0: Okay. A year after me. Yeah. And then our paths came closer together because we were both working with high school students. So we were college students working with high school students. Yep. They called it like dorm interns, right? Yeah. So, dorm like
1: RCs or R, yeah, yeah RCs. I think, yeah.
0: Yeah. Something like that. And then you started dating my friend and yes. then you guys got engaged. And mm-hmm. I do remember that, like that is a, is kind of a clear like, Oh wow. Like here's, here's one of my friends, they're, get, they're getting married, like the beginning of, you know, people getting married at a young age uh, in that kind of context. <laughs> foolishly, if, yes. Foolishly. I don't know if <laughs> you guys were the first, but it feels like that in my memory, like that, that, mm-hmm. that was very real. So then what year did you get married?
1: Uh, we got married in 99 or?
0: ninety
1: nine. I think so. Sense.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Something like that. So that summer, I was in your wedding. So we were all out in Ontario for that, and that's kind of a blur for me as well. Like I,
1: yeah, me too. I have a
0: couple (laughs) snapshots of that, but not a lot. Like I don't have a lot of, like I remember like driving in a big vehicle with a bunch of people, or you know maybe like. I remember, like, sitting and having dinner. I remember your brother being around, uh, mm-hmm. and that was super fun. Uh, he was still
1: just a teenager at that time.
0: He was just yeah. a teenager. Yeah,
1: he was, like, 17.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, so wild. So, yeah, we have all of that, like, early those early years. And then mm-hmm. I spent a few years after college in California and then decided to move up to the Lower Mainland. And by then, that's where you and Christy were yep. making a life. And uh and I mean this is where our friendship then stretches into your family because right away I moved in with John and Mel for maybe just a month or something until right. like I was able to move into my next place so there was that connection and then your sister Paulina had a book club which was the first book club I ever went to so then oh no Paulina, yeah so okay. that's how I got to know Paulina was through her book club and then that's how I got to know like Other friends that Paulina had and introduced me to, Lisa, Monique, you know, a bunch of people. So, uh, so those were those connections. Uh, So you were always, I mean, your family always lived hospitality from such a very deep and generous place. And Mm -hmm. I was always a recipient of that, (laughs) (laughs) you know, through your... Brother and his wife John and Mel through Paulina and then Paulina and Anthony your parents mm-hmm. later mm-hmm. getting to know Jenny as well so you have three siblings yeah over the years they became like family to me
1: oh yeah. well that's nice I, to I know mean, oh it's it's
0: real <laughs> it's real but that's like like here we had this you know sort of orbiting friendship that then took up like a different sort of residence when mm-hmm. I moved to British Columbia. And I mean, what are your, do you have thoughts or memories of that sort of phase? We have like, you know, Bible college phase. And then we have this, I don't know, what was that? Mid twenties. Yeah. Thirties.
1: Well, I would say Briarcrest, I thought of you as like a friend of Christie's. So like we, and we knew each other, but not super well. Yeah. Um, And I, I, yeah, I always thought of you as like a, an interesting person to talk to right away. Um, Conversations were easy. Um, I think even then I knew that there was like a side to you that was just not going to necessarily go with the flow, but you were going to think for yourself, mm-hmm. which, you know, I mean, a lot of people don't. So, <laughs> um, and then I think at like Regent, yeah, that kind of just followed through because yeah. Regent, Regent was a school where, you know, the, the more conservative perspective that at least I grew up with and, and I don't know about yourself, but uh, it was challenged more. And so it kind yeah. of opened up my eyes to like a, a broader perspective. Yeah. And so I think conversations we had from there probably became broader in a sense, too. So, right. yeah, yeah. And it was probably and, also uh, that time where I started to um, play through some of the artistic and creative, um, you know, goals or dreams that I had just a little bit at that time. Like not huh. fully, but yeah.
0: And. At, so you, yeah, because our paths didn't cross at Regent. We were, no, you, know, you were out in the Valley. I was in Vancouver and I would like drive out and spend quite a bit of time with you and your family. Right. Um, but that is, that is one of my clearest, like, I feel like I have 100 memories, like sort of almost conflated into one, which is mm-hmm. just like standing in the kitchen around your kitchen island, mm-hmm. like talking about big ideas. Yeah. That to me is like the heart of of my own friendship with you is Mm -hmm. like they kind of all like meld together in those moments of like people in the house doing all kinds of drinking hanging out talking about all kinds of things people coming and going some of whom i knew some of whom i didn't but Mm -hmm. like always kind of this this like this space of finding you in the room you know, talking about books and ideas Mm -hmm. and always kind of like doing that around, you know, that kitchen island is Mm -hmm. like, that is one of my strongest sort of senses of connecting with you as a person in Mm. that kind of part of our lives. Uh, And then you, so when you think about your creativity in that time and your own creative urge, was it primarily around pottery or was it painting then as well
1: you know it's funny like I I grew up and and in high school and stuff I did a lot of drawing and I love painting um was really drawn towards paintings from books my dad was a photographer so Mm -hmm. um portraiture uh you know paintings of people I had these huge books uh from Renoir and Monet and and Degas and I was really a big fan of that but I had no way of knowing how to paint like that Hmm. Um, and so pottery, uh, through some professors at Briarcrest too, who are potters, like I was just, I was really into doing anything with my hands, anything that I made things like, so when you talk about creativity, um, it was just something that could be made. It didn't matter Mm -hmm. what or how, Mm -hmm. um, I just love making things with my hands. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, so pottery and painting almost kind of took off at the same time. Like when I did a little bit of, no pottery, probably first, And then as I, I think when I moved to um, Bradner Road, that Mm -hmm. was in Abbotsford there, then I, I started getting into pottery where I had my own wheel. And um, it was kind of a stage of life where there was very few responsibilities. Mm -hmm. So I had the time to, to play around with paint and pottery. But I'd say pottery took a bit more of a front seat because I just thought, hey, I can make a little bit of money at this yeah. and sell things. Um, so mm-hmm. that was probably one of the driving forces. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got more heavily into painting later, I would okay. say. Yeah.
0: I, it's, yeah, it's wild. Uh, I use your pottery still every day.
1: Mm. That's good to hear. (laughs) Yeah. So, so
0: I mean, classic Dave, you were just like, you picked it up and I mean, I'm sure you worked at it, but you were so good at it. You know, I'm still years later, I'm still using this stuff.
1: Oh yeah. Like six months, the first six months I had my own wheel. I just did it every day for like six hours a day. day. And I remember (laughs) going out the front door with a piece of clay that had just not worked and just fell over like after hours of trying to do something huh. and just being so pissed that I'd take the whole ball and wing it into the field. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just like, fuck this shit. It's not worth it. It's too hard. And it's you know, it's so but,
0: funny. Cause I like, I yeah. don't see, I never saw any of that. I just no. saw like, you know, the no. powdery sale before Christmas in your living room. And oh yeah, like, no, there was definitely a progression. Up, gifts. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I what? went from like thick pottery like with the the yeah. bottom being like half right. an inch thick to right,
0: where you got like use two hands yeah, to like have your like coffee. Really heavy <laughs>
1: mugs. And then uh, yeah, you just get you get better and better.
0: What what sort of made you stick with it like after the flinging of the hunk of clay into the field?
1: Well, I knew it was just, you know, it was a bad day and yeah. I knew uh, you know, I guess, you know, it's funny like there's different things in your life that teach you endurance. Like I did tree planting mm-hmm. for like seven years. So like that teaches you endurance to like keep sticking with something. Uh, and, and I think with art, it's no different. Like you have to just keep going. Like mm-hmm. it's never based on inspiration in my sense. And like when, it, oh, when you really yeah, create yeah. things and inspiration is like, that is a luxury when it comes to creating. Uh-huh. Like when you get inspired, that's really exciting, but there's so much more work that has to be done when you're not inspired. Right. and you have to keep going so um that that's a huge part of it i think
0: how, how did you learn that 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 is actually what their creative life looks like it looks like work not Waiting around for the muse.
1: Well, I've read I read some books um, that were really ah, yeah, helpful. You did. <laughs> <laughs> I read a few books. Okay. Uh, there's Do you remember one, any of them? Yeah, yeah, there's a really good one actually called um, like. So you've heard of the Art of War. Well, this guy yeah. this guy wrote a book called The War of Art. Right. And um, it's basically like the first I think chapter is basically all it's talking about is resistance. So yes. it's basically saying like if you you know, have this idea that you're going to go out in the studio and all of a sudden you have this little inkling that says, no, you should just watch Netflix instead. That's resistance. Huh. And in, in anything that blocks creativity,
0: Yeah,
1: you can... I mean, it's... In the book, they just call it resistance, but it's basically anything and everything that gets in your way from creating. Huh. And it'll be yourself, it'll be other people, it'll be excuses. And you don't feel like it beforehand. Like, there's so many times where I would... Right. I'd be looking at the studio and I'd be like, oh, I totally don't feel like it. That's just way yeah. too hard. And then I'll be like, no, you, you, I know you'll want to feel like doing it later, so just go right. and do it. Right. And then you do it, and then you're like, oh, man, why did I, you know, what stopped me from doing it?
0: Yeah.
1: And And so, yeah, like you just, I think after a while, recognize that you have to just keep going. You have to mm-hmm. keep doing it, even when you don't feel like it. And then it's usually afterwards you're like, wow, you like do all this work and you see the outcome and the productivity and you're like, yeah, no, that was worth it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's intensely satisfying. Yeah, But it's the, I, I, I'm thinking about that a lot when I think about writing, it really Mm. resonates with me. Like there's, it's such a chore for me. Like I've really had to build systems to sit my ass down and like, I have to start a timer and like push through it not sort of wait for yeah this grand inspiration to come because I won't be able to like produce what I need to produce right uh, for the work that I love to do Mm -hmm. so I'm thinking a lot about that Uh, was there another book or just that that one came to mind
1: um no like um my favorite absolute favorite book of all time for painting yeah, uh, was written by this guy named Richard Schmidt, and uh, it's called Alla Prima, which is basically uh, Italian for all at once. Oh, and it's a it's a style of oil painting, and um, he wrote. Uh, everything he knew about painting and then with that he didn't just write about technique he also wrote about like the struggle and the things Mm. that you have to push through and how to push through different types of struggles when it came to the material like you break it down between like okay is it my talent and my skill is it is it my materials is it my brushes you know is it the support that's the issue and and like figuring those things out and then working through those problems And then you know, like being very objective and not oh. emotional at all. Oh wow! Uh, so you know, you Does can be. Does that come
0: easy for you? Uh, no.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you I feel would say, big? <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I I'm a very yeah. emotional person. Like I yeah. I get frustrated, um, but at the same time, like I've always had this. Um, Uh, like some people call it like selective listening where Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll be, I can block things out. I can block people out. I can block sound out and I can really, really hyper focus. Um, which is a really good thing and a really bad thing. Like if I get distracted easily in some ways, but then if I'm doing something and there's no other distractions, then like I can really hyper focus for a very long Uh time.
0: Oh, interesting! Interesting.
1: And yeah, that I, I don't know if that's something you're, you know, you just have innately, or if it's something that comes with practice. But right, I've always had that since a, a little kid. Like if I'm watching TV and my mom's calling me from the kitchen, like six feet away, yeah, I don't hear. Her. Like huh. it's just total. And my daughter Nova's the exact same way. <laughs> she is. <laughs> yeah. So I and, I, and it sucks in some ways, but then it's really yeah. helpful when it comes right. to the creative process.
0: Right.
1: So yeah.
0: That's really cool. Uh, thinking about kind of books and how voices sort of find us yeah guide us thinking about like the discipline of the thing that you needed to find some uh or the words found you so that you could like develop some disciplines to get about the work that you're interested and really drawn to to making yeah I wonder, I want to like get into more about your work, but I want to like back up a little bit more (laughs) and continue to sort of like lay some of the groundwork because I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about this. But yeah, uh, just, uh, you know, one of the other strong memories, I actually was like, don't I have a picture of this? And I did eventually find it. But When I, you know, one of the last times we hung out in the Lower Mainland, I was already living in Calgary, Mm -hmm. but I had come back to do some weddings and then I ended up in Chilliwack for a few days. Mm -hmm. And I was planning on hanging out with Christy and I was at her place. And then she, we had a total miscommunication and then she left for a few days. So I was like in Chilliwack waiting to like do this wedding before I got in my car and drove all the way back to Calgary. And it was such like an important um, visit that lent it was canada day i was like what the hell am i gonna do on canada <laughs> day by myself so i called you or texted yeah. you and you were like oh my parents are here you know come by yeah and i had i came by and i was thinking about like this moment where you were hanging new paintings mm. or, or some of your art like on your own wall and your parents were there like helping you okay and i had taken a picture thinking like this like we're in a different story now. Like, our relationships yeah. are in a different story. Your marriage with Christy was over. Mm. We both were setting up homes in different places, though still in the same community ish. Yeah. Uh, you know, your parents were there. Your kids were around. Uh, Christy was out of town for a few days. Like, that, we were just like, I, I was and also this is the wild thing is that I was starting my marriage when yours was ending.
1: Uh, you know, that yeah. there was
0: like there was just so much.
1: It's a lot of shit going on.
0: There was a lot of <laughs> shit going on. Yeah. <laughs> but it was such an important interaction with you. Mm. Like and and I don't know why it's it's kind of connected to even this moment of you like and your parents hanging this painting on the wall. Uh And you and I had this opportunity to just to connect, Hmm. you know, post a a bunch of the shit. It was still like the shit was still sort of like settling. Oh, yeah. No, it's it takes a long time where I thought like, oh, I am so invested in like the friendships with these two people Hmm. that I'm I'm not like I'm not going to be on one side or another. You know, if Mm -hmm. there was any way to do that, I knew and we had this I, I don't know if you remember that that interaction but I remember us sort of sitting there just like shedding some tears and holding a coffee cup in my hand and thinking like I love this person Uh. (laughs) Uh, but the the reality of your art you know Mm -hmm. kind of being in the room and thinking about like how you know your marriage had ended but your art was still around you like that your Mm -hmm. creativity journeyed with you in ways that Like people didn't or couldn't. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and then I think too about space for Mm -hmm. you. Like you you always had these studios, these like carved out locations in all of the homes where you, where it was like your sacred space. Dave's making (laughs) something here. Like Mm -hmm. Dave's in his own space doing something.
1: So important. And and if and if I were to give advice to anyone who wants to create like that space is it's in- incredibly important. Mm-hmm. It is a sanctuary in a way.
0: Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Can you talk more about it?
1: Um, well, I- I've-, I've had several studios. I can think yeah. of uh, two specifically. One on Bradner Road was literally just like a little porch on okay. the front of the house, which I had pottery and painting set up on either ends. Okay. And um, that one was really—it was a lovely space, very cold, very damp yeah. and wet. <laughs> But but beautiful, like I had windows all the way around, mm. and I just it it's funny. Like I think about, I love being around people, and yeah. I would rather be around people most. I'm an extrovert, which is actually yeah. pretty difficult for someone who is a, is yeah. you know a studio based painter yeah. or or artist. But yeah. um, it's weird. Like when I'm painting, I don't feel alone. Oh, I don't what? actually feel. <laughs> yeah, I I don't feel like I'm actually alone in that space. Like I feel How? like. My creativity or what I'm painting and stuff actually keeps me company in a weird way. Oh,
0: wow.
1: Yeah. I, and I think it's maybe just because I'm ultra focused. I don't think okay. about the fact that I'm not with people. Okay. okay. Um, because... Yeah, that stuff
0: sort of falls away somehow.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like mm. the drama of life is so... Mm. Gone, like it just disappears. Oh, it sounds Because insane. yeah, it is. Like yeah. it, it, it's it's yeah. because and they call, they call it the zone. Like when you're in the right. zone, when you're painting or when you're doing something where you have to stay ultra focused. Yeah. Um. You, it it's it's amazing and it, it's a wonderful feeling. Huh. Because time actually does disappear. Like right. Six hours can go by and um, you know, it. I wouldn't have known. Right. Kind of thing So that's pretty special.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have other, uh, like, other descriptions of that, of that space?
1: Um, like that physical space or just yeah. in general? Uh, yeah, like it had, I painted the floor blue. Okay. <laughs> um, it was, yeah, it was just really old and the windows were foggy a lot of times. Interesting. Um, and then my second favorite studio is obviously the one up in, in Rider Lake.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it was a huge 19 by 20 square foot shop with, yeah. like, 12 foot ceiling. Okay. which, uh, you know, lended itself for brightness. Um, I yeah. brought in some special lights in there too for that, but, and I had a wood stove in there. That one was brilliant. Yeah. Huh. amazing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, really good space. And, um, yeah, it just, it just felt like a, a little home away from home kind of thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So when you think about, I mean, I just recounted, you know, this big, um, Sort of turn in your life from this family life with you know your wife and your four kids and then your marriage ending and then uh, building these separate homes but you know Mm co-parenting across that uh or into that new chapter. Um, Mm -hmm. What can you talk about? How your art companioned you through that? Like what was what i'm sure it was crucial that you were always making something always thinking about making things uh but what is it like to hold on to our creativity through like all of the ups and downs or the things that we make
1: yeah like i mean i'm sure uh it's it's tough to say i mean it, it 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 was important to continue doing it and it's funny actually the the reason for doing it changed like, uh, mm. sometimes it was just like about, well, I want to become an artist and I want to paint and I want to make money at it. Um, to like all of a sudden realizing, you know, I, I only see my kids half the time. Mm-hmm. And so the things that I painted or the people that I painted right afterwards were my kids. Oh, yeah. So I painted Wesley and Nova and Mayel and Kaylin. Um, I painted each of them and oh. a couple of them, a couple of times. And, um, it became like the painting itself was a way to connect with them. Like even, yeah. even if it wasn't, even with when I wasn't with them in, in some ways, when I was painting them, they were there in a sense, oh, like at God. least their, at least their presence in a sense came mm-hmm. through the work. So mm-hmm. yeah. Like, I think that was a That's bit of a so coping, definitely yeah. a way of coping with some of that uh, mm-hmm. alone time.
0: Like you're initially. beholding them. You're like, cause you paint, Uh, we'll get into this maybe a little bit more, but uh, you paint like realistic portraits. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, So you're
0: really trying to see and
1: uh, yeah, it's a it's a painterly. You know, I I kind of consider it painterly realism or or representational art, which is basically just you know, um, you're very. Some people look at my painting and go, "Oh man, that looks like a photograph." And as much as that's a compliment, um, you know, my goal is to let people know that it's paint and not and not just a photograph but um yeah no it's it's important for me to 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 relay the the person that I'm trying to paint so it's not just about like a painting like some sometimes you look at a painting oh it's a beautiful painting and then other times you look through the paint and you're Mm -hmm. seeing the person and that's really that's really important to me in fact, yeah. I, I came up with a new mission statement not that long ago, which is, uh, I want to paint people in a careful and delicate way. And in doing so silently through the work, that person matters or say right. that this person matters. Right, right, right. So yeah. that I
0: found that on your Instagram and yeah. I want to, I want to come back to it okay. in a moment, but let's, uh, did you say enough about that? You said, you know, after uh, when you were only with, the kids half the time painting became this deep connection to them Mm -hmm. when they weren't in the room with you. Are there Mm -hmm. other things that you would say have like, uh, you, you could, um, describe in terms of how your art companioned you through that, Um, that season or others?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's tough. I mean, in some ways I still look at it as, uh, a really like hyper glorified hobby.
0: <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> but, okay. but yeah,
1: I mean like it's something I just love to do. Yeah. But um, and I always find like that even just like the name artist uh, it it has a lot of weight behind it and sometimes mm. I just like to consider myself a painter. Oh. Like, and, you know, like it takes away the Just the, like
0: bring it down a notch. Yeah, and yeah it's, it's like, like, you know what?
1: I'm just painting pictures. <laughs> but but I, I know, of course, it means more than that to me And and, yeah. and if I look at portraits or paintings from uh painters in the past like you know rembrandt or you know or any any major painter i just think like there's something more there than just um you know them creating pictures there's there's more there to it and as far as like how it Speaks to me or what it does for me. it right. It's definitely just like a huge part of my identity as well as something I love to do. So it, right. I don't know if that's answering your question at all. Yeah, no, but. <laughs> it's really
0: interesting. Let's talk a little bit more about your painting. Uh, Mm -hmm. you gave us some description of the kind of painting that you Mm -hmm. do. What did you call it again?
1: Painterly
0: Uh, realism?
1: Yeah, like a painterly realism. So like you can see that it's paint, but you're also very, very aware. Like if you were standing from a distance, you might think it's a photograph. Right. Um, But yeah, when you get up close, you see it kind of breaks down into sort of um, abstract pieces of color and, and shape and uh, that it is all paint. Mm. So, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's an interesting process. I would say, actually, that to paint realistically, you have to think abstractly. You have to think mm. about shapes. Like, oh, when you yeah. when you look at someone's nose, you're not looking at a nose. You're looking at right. these dark portions and then these uh. lighter portions and then this, like, shadow. And how dark is that shadow? Is it lighter? Right. Is it warmer? Is it cooler? Right. So, like, you break things down to such a degree that it's no longer uh, this person, it's, it's literally just shapes and colors and yeah. Yeah. And you have to make it all fit together.
0: Huh? (laughs) So what, um, what does painting do, you know, what, like, what does painting do for individuals?
1: Oh, man. Um, I don't know. (laughs) That's a, that's a tough question. Like what does it do for individuals? I think, I think it connects people in the same way with pottery. Like if you, if you held, and maybe it doesn't do it for everyone, but it does it for me is if, if I hold a handmade pottery piece of pottery, like a mug, which is my favorite piece of pottery is a mug. You know, there's something about it connecting me to, um, another human being who's made it, you know what I mean? Like if something comes out of a machine, Um, you know, no one's hands have molded that. It's just like done Mm. through a machine more so. And same with the painting. It's like somebody, you know, in the past or someone Mm. present has had to take a brush, dip it in paint, and then push that paint into place to make Mm. it a nose and like an Mm. eye. And like, so there's a sense of like wonder and like how, Uh. how did they do that? Like that's probably what drew me to painting the most is like, how on earth did that person get to make that three-dimensional object on this flat surface look so either real or just like beautiful right like beauty is another whole topic like aesthetics right that yeah that we could get into but yeah so i i think that beauty which painting is a big part of that is for me Mm -hmm. is that it 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 enriches my life i i don't know Mm -hmm. how else to put it exactly but um it it creates a sense of familiarity hmm. um when I look at a painting done by someone and it's funny like some paintings that I love they're they're not you know perfect like you can see all kinds right. of problems with it but there, there's yeah. something about that faultiness and humanity huh. that we also appreciate in paintings like
0: right
1: it's like if you have someone who does like a photorealistic painting where there's no flaws, you can't see the brushstrokes or anything like that. It almost pulls it too far away from us. But if we can see, we can see there's mistakes or we can see there's like slight, you know, variations that that humanness then comes out of it, Mm
0: -hmm. which
1: we connect with, I think.
0: Huh. Yeah. So that was my next question. What does painting do for like communities or society? Uh, Hmm. Like if we, you know, we kind of look at it individually particularly like what it does for you. Uh, What does it do when we zoom out a bit?
1: I think it can, it can communicate all kinds of things. Like it can Mm -hmm. communicate um, care. Like if someone is painting something like, like for me, painting something very carefully uh, and very specifically about someone, it shows uh, that I care about them. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, painting in general, I think can just communicate a lot of things depending on what the painting's about. Mm. Uh, sometimes it can evoke a feeling of like resentment or, or pain. Mm. Other times, like if I think of like famous paintings, there's one by, um, Manet where he had painted, um, a bunch of soldiers being shot and it's an extremely, you know, painful picture to look at. And yet there's so much emotion there. And it's not just the emotion of, the you know the people being depicted because that's right. pretty hor- horrific but it's also the emotions of the of the painter you know like mm. that why did he paint this you know like mm-hmm. what did this mean to him and it starts to create questions you know like mm. and it starts conversation so like right. i think that art and paintings in general can can start with like an idea or you know mm-hmm. an image and there's you know it's you know picture speaks a thousand words sometimes mm-hmm. right where you 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 can start a conversation through it, you know, whether it's um, you know, people matter. Like that's yeah. something to me is really important. So when I paint people, you know, part of that is to say, like, this person matters. Yeah. You know, and it gets down to um yeah, it, it gets down to that personally for me, but also for other people, I think that the, yeah, it can it can be so broad, you right. know, in that sense. Like it can yeah, it can be about anything, but it it speaks um, yeah, I'm kind of losing my mind about it now. <laughs> I'm kind of in circles, uh, but no. yeah. I,
0: well, something like I, I, I don't know the many picture that you're maybe yeah. you're or something, but okay. it it makes me think about. I think about this a lot. The power of the particular to be universal. Right. That maybe I don't know. Like I don't know those men, obviously. Right. Uh, in you know dying in a war, but. You know what? Um, in my own life, is sort of like called to when I see something violent or right. the cost of a scene like that. Yeah, I was in uh, in Scotland at a museum years and years ago, and I d- I was by myself traveling. I think I was in Glasgow, and my great grandmother had had come from. Her name was McPherson, and she had come from outside of Glasgow. And her story was like quite fraught. There were all these like secrets and really interesting, uh, interesting woman, interesting life. Hmm. But I remember seeing this painting of uh, some sort of uh, time in Scotland's history when there was a lot of famine, and the Hmm. woman giving the tour said, "You know." Somehow she made some sort of statement that connected me to that that painting in a very personal way. That like that this sad figure on the edge of a of a you know very barren field, not able Mm -hmm. to kind of grow what it was meant to grow. Those like that is the beginning of, like, my family's story hmm. in another, you know, of, like, of needing to get up and leave, uh, you know, a continent for another, uh, or choosing to do that in hopes of a better life, and there was, like, so much, it was such an interesting experience to, like, I don't know that, the story of this painter, I don't know yeah. anything about this man that he, you know, decided to paint on the edge of this field, but all of a sudden, like, my family's story, even if it isn't even that story exactly, mm-hmm. My grandmother uh, had a, you know, a complicated story and got and chose to leave not because of famine, but because of, you know, as far as we could tell, like some sort of family can, you know, a trauma and she, you know, up and left and, you know, started an, a different life in another place. But right. um, there's something about the the power of like. That that was like a pretty magical moment hmm. to connect with my own like larger family story in right. this gallery in Glasgow.
1: Yeah, sorry, you just cut out as you were finishing oh, no. there. <laughs> but I think I think I caught the end. Like it was basically like a connection between yeah. you and your family, and and yeah. it all coming through this painting.
0: Yeah. And
1: yeah, no, I I the- totally understand that
0: yeah the power of yeah the particular to like speak of something universal right like, that seems to be a very real thing yeah when it comes to painting or yeah what, uh, what painting can do
1: yeah and it's funny because I don't know if I think about that very much in the sense mm-hmm. that when I'm looking at a painting you know it is touching me personally but I am someone that you know that painting wasn't necessarily made for specifically yeah. so yeah exactly yeah. that right and um And when I'm painting my own paintings, I'm not necessarily thinking like, "How is this going to reach everybody?" You know. And yet, because we are, you know, all humans, and we have our own ways of connecting with things, it just naturally does. Hmm. I think. Like, I mean, it it may be that we need to, you know, if you want to reach the most people, you try to make it as universal as possible. But in some ways, it's like you try to do that, and you might not, you know, all of a sudden become generic. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think that all art has to speak to all people. Right. So I think like if you're painting or you're making something and you're doing it for you, there's enough people out there that, mm-hmm. that will connect with it mm-hmm. and and they might connect with it in a completely different way than you mean totally. you meant for it to, to be made. Right. Right. right That's right, the other right. side of it is like, you know, yeah. I might make something and they're like, you know, this reminds me of my grandmother and it might be like. Yeah you know, just some lady that I saw and I thought she looked yeah. cool or whatever. Like, right, right. So yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's interesting. Yeah, that, that that's
0: really helpful for me, Dave, because I, I mean, I write and preach sermons, right. right. And i like to talk about the, those ideas before I sort of air them publicly or like where I'm going with it. And I yeah. often start with Jonathan mm-hmm. and I'll say like, okay, like, here's what I'm thinking are doing with this text. And often his face will be like, <laughs> like I and he'll even say, like, I don't relate to that. I don't connect with it and I realized, just like this weekend I was like, Yeah, you know what? I don't write sermons for you. Like No, not necessarily. <laughs> because yeah, that the 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 fact is he is not my like average congregant he right. really doesn't represent them very well and i still but but i i love i don't want to stop you know talking about my ideas with him no but the reality is like all of those ideas aren't for all people no. and they f- trying to find um to, to write and create something that mm. really resonates in this community is a very kind of particular demographic which is not Mostly like Jonathan Bateman.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and art, art changes for different people too. Like I think about mm. my favorite artists when I was like, mm. you know, in my early thirties are completely different than they are now. Oh, yeah. So like, even if something spoke to me at one time, you know, it, it may not speak to me in the future or,
0: right, right. you know, Can you or, talk about an example of that.
1: Um, Okay, so when I was really young, like I really loved the work of Monet and Renoir and the Impressionist painters. Mm -hmm. I thought it was magical. It was colorful. There was Mm -hmm. something just really um, that really grabbed me about the work. Mm -hmm. And then it's like as I started getting into painting more and I looked at like, um, you know, different masters, essentially, Mm -hmm. like Rembrandt, um, uh, John Singer Sargent, Sorolla. Mm -hmm. Um, there's all these different painters who came later in the 19th century, mm-hmm. so basically a okay. hundred years later, that okay. th- their work was better, like in my opinion, yeah. like as huh. you know, Rembrandt's older, but like, uh, and it's just like almost like you know what what made the Impressionists so interesting is that they they moved away from a real academic style of painting and they yeah. really loosened things up. Right. But it's like if you don't really know much about academic painting or like the the, the tighter work of like Mm. Titian or, Mm. you know, anyone that came before, you know, you have a less understanding or appreciation for that, you know, Mm -mm. academic style of work. So Mm -hmm. I've gone from really loving the loose impressionistic work to, you know, loving, you know, really tight work. And then then again, like I'll change and say, like, well, I like something almost in between. Like, mm. so singer sergeant, like he was a painter from America who also worked in Europe and his work, you know, it's, if you were to stand back about 20 feet, it would look very realistic, very painterly okay. or, or more photographic, but then you get within like five feet uh. and one shadow across a forehead is literally one stroke of a brush. And Whoa. you're, and you're like, how? <laughs> it's just incredible. <laughs>
0: what a marvel. So, huh. yeah.
1: And I, and if I think of my own work now, that's kind of where I want to be is somewhere in between that sort of tight, high huh. realism. And, and then the completely loose impressionism, there's something mm-hmm. in between that I love. So, yeah. And that's, that that's pretty technical, but. Yeah. Oh, probably. Like, I mean, yeah. I might, I might move away from, you know, representational work altogether and get into abstract. Huh. I, right. I, I'm not going to, you know, block myself into a specific mm-hmm. style. Right. Um, yeah. And I think that's evolution. I think that's right. part of growing as an artist as totally.
0: well. And as yeah. a person.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Hey, you did a big trip to, was it Spain? Yes. What was the point of that? Oh. It was an art trip.
1: Yes. Um, okay, so there's this place in Spain on the island of Menorca um, okay. called Pulsar Menorca. And it's basically an old colonial house, mansion really, uh, that these two guys, um, Jorge and um, I forget the other guy's name now. But anyway, they they basically ask professional painters, um, like masters, to come and teach courses to about 16 advanced students. So I applied to be an advanced student, and um, the teacher that I taught under for five days, was, uh, his name was Vincent Desiderio, and he's a master painter from New York. Um, Brilliant, brilliant painter. And uh, yeah, so we got to basically all stay in this house, and we ate together, and we painted together for like six to seven hours a day. And he would go over the work and then he would talk about historical painting and his own work and what it meant to him and Mm. challenging us to say like, you know, what does your work mean to you? Like, why are you doing what you're doing? Mm. And it really challenged me because, you know, it pulled me out of that idea of just being a hobby to being like, no, this is Uh. part of my identity. This is like how I communicate, um, you know, my emotions, my dreams, my inspirations, and it. It means something, yeah. Huh. So, yeah, and it was also you, just an amazing trip to go to Spain. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh,
0: do you just a little thing there? Like you said, painting is like how I communicate these things, my emotions, mm. like these these things. I believe. Do you are do you also find your like what you believe through painting? Like, is there another relationship with it in that way? Like, ooh, I didn't know that this was so important to me until I like did the thing. Or are you always Mm. sort of representing what you've already, what you already kind of know? Like, do does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm thinking through what you're saying. Like, can you say it again? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it makes me
0: like. I think sometimes I'm writing a sermon. I think about theology very artistically. Mm. Uh, I don't know if that makes me a heretic or not. (laughs) But when I'm writing a sermon. I'm often, like, kind of, like, I, I know where I want to go, but then I sort of surprise myself, and I think, like, words come out, and I think, that's it. That's what I believe right now. Mm, like, mm-hmm. I might come to some sort of revelation in the process of the thing,
1: mm. not
0: always having decided, like, that's where I'm going to – that I'm so clear right thought right. on it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think when I, Does, approach, mm-hmm. when I approach a painting, I do have a very strong idea of what I want to accomplish. But, mm. yeah, like, I mean, it, it is – I don't think that I I often go into something, know exactly what i are going to do, and then mm-hmm. it comes out that way. Definitely yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah, no. The, and I mean, the, I think that's the element that's always a, a bit of an interesting pull when it comes mm-hmm. to creating something, is that you do get something completely unique uh, yes. and on its own, you know,
0: yeah. compared
1: to what you thought it was going to be. Right. Sometimes it's better. Sometimes it's worse. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, that but I, real, yeah. and I think that... Um, but every every single painting I do, I look as just like a stepping stone. Oh. I, I look at it as um this this is the painting I did and it got me to this painting. At the same time, you know, each painting is important to me. Yeah and, yeah. and it brings me joy and the value of the person or whatever I'm painting is still there. But I do feel like it's a progression for me. Like I, Mm -hmm. and, and like, I guess you could say like a journey when it comes to Mm. creativity is, you know, this, this whole, all this work got me to a place where I could create this, Mm. you know, at the next stage kind of thing.
0: Right, right, right. It's interesting Um, to think about stepping stones.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That that you're always, like, taking the next step, taking the next step. Mm-hmm. And the one thing led to the next, led to the next.
1: Well, and if we think about the paintings that we know really well, whether they're famous or that we mm-hmm. love, I mean, that wasn't the first painting that that person right. made. Like, it yeah. was probably much, much, like, there was a lot of stuff that had to happen before right. that painting. Right. So yeah
0: uh canvases getting thrown out into the field.
1: <laughs> yeah
0: Many oh yeah'm
1: sure <laughs> oh yeah no i've I've sanded down paintings painted over them, ah. um, which is like to the chagrin of some people, but ah. um, you know, like that it's funny though like um I would say lately my paintings are becoming more and more important to me as I go, but I remember yeah. in the very beginning, it was just about the process. Oh. It wasn't even about the finished product in a lot of ways. Huh. It was just like, how do I learn how to do that?
0: Like do more, do more, yeah. do more, do more. Yeah.
1: And I mean, now, yeah. now it's getting to the point where, no, no, no. Like each painting, you know, in some ways, like I don't mind wrecking a painting because I know I can do another huh. one, oh, wow. but, but when I'm finished a painting, there's more value there for me now than there used to yeah. be. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Just mm. some kind of maturity and
1: yeah, sort and, of
0: having honed your skills in a...
1: Well, I'm feeling there's more value in hmm. the work because of the work that went before hmm. in a way, you know, like... Yeah. it's It's like a person who says, like, you know, they would never pay a certain amount for a painting. It seems like too much. But then you think about it. It's like, if a painting only took me six hours to make now, i I don't look at that six hours as i I look at my whole lifetime of yeah. painting as right. how it's taken me that long to learn how That's to paint the value. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah uh,
0: when is when is painting hard? Like when is it a struggle? or what is there a a point or a phase when it's a struggle?
1: I, I would say, like, most m- almost every single painting there is a struggle yeah but like there's uh, like there's the resistance beforehand and then mm. there's the sense of um you know like i'll I'll get to a point in a painting where i'm really struggling and then some paintings are easier than others like some just really oh, yeah. happen quickly and okay. pretty effortlessly and others yeah. uh you know whether it's just the shape or the color or the tone or mm. or just the subject matter just isn't flowing right and yeah like it's definitely yeah it changes depending on the painting i guess yeah
0: do you ever abandon it
1: oh yeah just oh. like
0: this is not happening i
1: would say over 50 percent of the time
0: over 50 percent of the time
1: yeah yeah
0: i was not ready for that answer oh yeah no that's really interesting i've
1: i've thrown out or resanded or restarted Many, many times.
0: Oh wow. Yeah,
1: for sure. Like if I huh. if I had as many paintings as I started now, it'd be yeah. It would be at least have like a
0: garage full.
1: Yeah. Oh, I have like a ton of half half done paintings. Huh. Yeah.
0: How often do you go back to it?
1: Oh
0: of something you started?
1: Um I've I've only really probably gone back a couple of times. Often if it's okay. been abandoned, the chances are it's probably not gonna get finished because oh. I've left it for a reason. Like either I've come up yeah. against something that doesn't work. Okay or um yeah or i'm just not interested anymore
0: right so
1: right. done <laughs> yeah pass it yeah
0: uh, i want to go back to this mission statement that you have crafted for yourself okay so what i want to do is i've broken it into pieces
1: okay
0: and i'm just gonna say a piece and then i want you to just kind of riff on it okay like why, why these three words in this context? Right. So, you know, the first three words are, I want to.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's the continual desire. It's like, <gasps> this is what I want to do. This is, if I'm on this planet for only so many years, yeah. this is something I want to do. Like, this is yeah. something that's important to me. And right. I honestly, a hundred percent can't explain why. Yeah. Um, like there's a part of me that just thinks, man, your life would be so much easier if you didn't, <laughs> if you didn't do this. this. <laughs> it would be like, I'd be like, you'd have oh, so God, much God. free time. <laughs> you would, <laughs> you could watch so much Netflix. You, you could go out and have beers so much All more often, time. you know, it would be, you know, but oh, you know, that's good,
0: but the desire, yeah. yeah and, and the mysterious desire.
1: And I think it's the challenge. It's, uh, uh I want to, because it's hard.
0: Oh Yeah. 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 And, and something about doing hard things makes us feel alive.
1: Yeah, it do, yeah. It is.
0: Yeah. Okay. Next two words, paint people.
1: Yeah. And I think that's interesting because paint, uh, because I love it. Like I love mm. the process. I love the way something, you know, you start with these blobs of paint and, you know, you start pushing them around and all of a sudden these shapes start to form, mm. you know, with a lot of cognitive, you know, spatial intelligence going on as well (laughs) you have to be thinking about what shape is happening where Mm -hmm. Uh, and and that's the zone part I would say that's where I really zone in Um, and then people because well part of it I think is the fact that my dad was a photographer I look at that and I think you know my dad being a portrait photographer I stared at so many of his portraits Um. and he had he had this book by a, a photographer named Karsh uh, and he he did like tons of famous people, and I would just look at the portraits and how they were mm. sort of positioned and the lighting and mm. all those basic sort of uh, parts. So yeah, I would say, and and I'm a very people-oriented person. So yeah. I could paint landscapes, and I I kind of get bored of it, mm. um, and still lifes and things like that. Right. And abstract painting just seems kind of a uh, strange, foreign thing to me too. Mm. Like I I like people a lot yeah. i like yeah i i'm a if i if i'm in a busy place i'll just watch people all day long right. i think people are fascinating
0: right. yeah <laughs> me too yeah. all right in a careful and delicate way i'm really interested in these words
1: so a careful and delicate way when you are trying to really get a representational painting like represent mm-hmm. who that person is you can't just have brushstrokes any which way you want you have to do it in a delicate and, and careful way so like essentially staring down at someone at their eye shape at their nose shape at their head mm-hmm. shape all those things have to be done in such a way that you're going to represent that person people's i mean if you think about the human face people mm-hmm. recognize it more than anything else like mm-hmm. on the planet like we know like you know mm-hmm. what david veck looks like i know who mm-hmm. bobby Saka looks mm-hmm. like you can't fool me by that and yet right, everybody right. has two eyes, one nose and a mouth yeah. and eyebrows right, right. and cheeks and a That's chin. Yeah. So like, yeah. what are those variations? What are those mm-hmm. de- like delicate things that, that make a person who they are? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's important to me
0: to I capture, like
1: to actually capture the person, not just mm-hmm. like a face.
0: Right. Right. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in, oh, did I write this down right? And oh, yeah. In, and in doing so say silently
1: just those words.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well,
1: uh, you know, a picture is silent. Like it's Uh not words. So it, but it does say something, Right. you know, like I say something about that person by painting them in this very specific way. Yeah. You know, and so that, and then silently meaning, yeah, like I'm not trying to, uh, I'm not using words. I'm using, Hmm. I'm using an image. So that that's the silent part.
0: So, uh, so if we just think back to the portraits you painted of your kids,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, what, you know, if we were to say, you know, what did you, what were you saying silently about Kaylin?
1: I'm hmm. um, definitely trying to um, illustrate her, her sort of gentleness. Um, if I think of my daughter, Kaylin, you know, especially at that age, (laughs) maybe Mm -hmm. a bit different now, (laughs) but (laughs) she's, she's she's gotten a little darker (laughs) in the years to come, but no, I I would say like, she, um, she was just a real gentle spirit. Mm -hmm. So like that sort of, um, innocence. I think was a really a big part of that painting was like she's in the portrait of her. She's looking down. She's got this shy smile to her, which is just what she gave me. You know when I when I took a reference photo for the the painting, uh, you know that's that's what she came up with. Hmm. So
0: Uh, I want to go through all of them now, just to get them all. Okay, what what were you saying about Wesley?
1: Well, Wesley's which (laughs) sadly his is it's kind of like not quite finished, Um, but like it's finished enough, but like, I, I'd love to go back to it, but his is like, Mm -hmm. he's got, he's kind of looking up and Mm -hmm. he's, uh, he, you know, he's looking up and, and kind of whimsical. Like she, he's a bit of a dreamer and, and also a bit of a gentle spirit, but, um, yeah, like he's kind of looking off in the distance. He's a bit of a daydreamer Uh, kind of thing too. So.
0: And what about Nova? Uh,
1: Nova, actually, I have a couple different ones of Nova, uh, one that I didn't finish, so there you go. Okay. Uh, where she's wearing an astronaut helmet, okay.
0: right, <laughs> and that, right, right. that one
1: was a little bit like you know made up because she's a real space cadet. Like she's right. she's like, just out there. She's really creative. Like where
0: did she come from? But yeah, did she she's come from out there? she's a
1: she's a bit of an alien. Um, okay. But then I I took an, I did another painting of her where she's wearing a black hoodie, and mm. uh, she's got the hoodie on, and mm. to me that one speaks more of her. Um, you know, she struggles with uh, anxiety. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's, um, yeah, I, I, she's a very sensitive soul. Yeah. And so there's a bit of a protective layer on her with that hoodie. Oh, yes. Oh,
0: you that's You know, so, great.
1: so she, yeah, and, and she's looking pretty serious in that one.
0: Uh,
1: uh, I often have more serious looks on the paintings. Yeah. Probably, probably says something about me, like I,
0: huh. I
1: fancy this serious side of life sometimes. Although I love huh. a good joke, but yeah, right. like I, yeah. And then Mayel. Yeah.
0: And Mayel, yeah.
1: Hers actually, <laughs> she's eating soup uh, and she's oh, just I got, she's she got, got the, the soup. Yeah. She's staring straight yeah. ahead. And, and that one is like, sometimes I just don't know where she is. Like she's kind of, right. she's just out there and she's staring off and, huh. um, you know, yeah. So I, with hers, I think it was just more also about the atmosphere. Yeah. It was about just like having a regular day, having Sunday soup yeah. Um, where we're just at the kitchen table and, you know, the natural light behind her, there's just, just something more about the atmosphere with that painting.
0: Cool. Cool.
1: Um, and Nova's in the background on that one as well.
0: Oh, wow. Uh, okay. So last two phrases, uh, of your mission statement through the work. Uh,
1: yeah. So I, I want to say something about the people silently and it's through the work. So it's, it's not, um, something I'm going to say about the work, like often, you know, when you you go to an art gallery or something like that, mm-hmm. there'll be a, like an artist statement about the work and everything. And, yes. and I I want the work to speak for itself. Mm. I want people to see a character or see a personality uh, and mm. a person essentially right there, and that that isn't is, say, is saying enough. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, it's funny. I'm a bit countercultural in the sense where contemporary art is all about you know what you say. Like actually, just this last week at Art Basel in Florida. They had mm. in Miami, they had a a banana, like a real banana somebody oh, bought yeah. and they just yeah, stuck it, it with some duct tape it. to the wall. Right. Yeah. Now, and then they called it the, the uh, I think they call it the comedian or something like that. Okay. And like, I'm sorry, but it sold for $120,000 and it really frustrates me. But at the same time, mm. that work is worth nothing mm. unless that artist name is connected to it. And there's like this huge story behind it, right? Like that has to right. be explained. Like nobody's right, going right. to buy a duct taped banana to a wall. Mm. There's more to it there, right? Yeah. Which I, I can appreciate on its own. But for Kay. me, the value is innate in the work. Mm. And mm. so I want things to be said through the work um, mm. and that there's value in the work itself.
0: And finally, that this person matters.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think that you know, the human, the human being is, uh, is valuable right. and, um, the people obviously that I paint, I mean, sometimes I'm painting commissions and I don't know the people very well, right. but in some ways that doesn't really matter because they're still a human being and they, and they count, mm. they matter. Mm. And so when you, when you take a person and you spend the time, like I only have so many hours in my life and I'm choosing to spend it painting a person then that mm-hmm. hopefully will say, like, not only is this painting valuable because there's, you know, work that's gone into it and there's, mm-hmm. there's a level of effort, but also because, like, someone who could have just, like, been doing anything with their life actually took the hours to create mm-hmm. this painting of this person mm-hmm. so that that, for some reason, that person, you know, uh, it, it, it adds value to that painting because that person matters. I don't know mm-hmm. if that came out totally, totally clear, but, yeah. It's lovely. Yeah.
0: This podcast is called Between Sundays, Finding the Sacred in the Everyday. Mm-hmm. So when you think about the work that you, you know, have made it at least part of your life's mission to do, how is that uh, in pursuit of however you define, you know, it doesn't have to be anyone else's definition of the sacred, but
1: hmm. um, how does that
0: connect you to something transcendent? Or,
1: I, I'm going to say that I don't know. <laughs> um,
0: We've talked about this, yeah. just the shifts in yeah, like, uh, growing up a certain way. Yeah, like I grew having up... Having these life experiences yeah. and sort of wondering like, oh, what is this?
1: Well, I, I, you know, obviously, like, you know, Bobby, that I grew up in a very conservative background mm-hmm. uh, in a, you know, Christian Reformed church, which is like Calvinistic, very theologically mm-hmm. based, very dogmatic. Mm-hmm. And... um I've moved away from that, like I have Mm -hmm. a much freer, Mm -hmm. um, more open perspective of life in general. Um, It includes, I would say, not as much religion as Mm -hmm. just life. Mm -hmm. So I've lost a lot of jargon. I've lost Mm -hmm. a lot of like, um, well, all of Christianese Mm -hmm. (laughs) has dropped from my vocabulary. And, um, How, did it
0: just happen, or did you have to, like, exorcise it out? Uh,
1: it it probably happened in stages. Oh, yeah. um, I was done with certain things. I was done with certain theology, and mm-hmm. then I was done with certain uh, institutions, and yeah. then I was done with an entire ideology, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, when I say I'm done with it, it just means that I was done with my understanding of it, mm-hmm. and I was done with... Um, what other people had given me that i couldn't agree with anymore yeah but but to say that um you know what i believe now it's it's just it's just become more in some ways silent Uh, like in the same mm -hmm. way that my paintings are not going to speak out words it's Mm going to be more about actions Mm -hmm. um that's what i would say about my Mm -hmm. overall belief is that it can't i'm done with words more than actions Mm. so to speak
0: I find that comforting.
1: Well, and not to say my actions <laughs> it's are
0: disturbing. It's hard, but
1: well, and not, and not to say my actions are all great either. It's just mm. I I think that like um, like growing up in the faith, I you know I told my mom and dad. I said you know because they're still believers, and I said you know mom mm-hmm. and dad, like to me, what really matters is you know what they would call the fruit of the spirit, mm. which is you know loving, love, kindness, patience, self control. All those mm-hmm. things that, you know, in the end are the, the main, I would say, should be the the main product of what we are in this life mm-hmm. and what we share with others. So, yeah, that's kind of where I, that's as mm-hmm. probably as open.
0: Right. Well, it's, it's yeah. lovely to think about, yeah, that the direction of your painting, you know, you have this language of silence in your mission statement that mm-hmm. that like has a tie to... This place of, I mean, you used the word beauty Mm -hmm. and reverence, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if you said wonder, but I was thinking about wonder. Yeah, Uh, those things are uh, like at home.
1: Yeah, with one another. Yeah, they belong. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh, What are you working on right now?
1: Uh, Well, I actually uh, just finished up a couple commissioned pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, There was one of a, a pretty young girl. Um, and she's just kind of holding on to, uh, uh my friend K- Kellen basically it was his daughter and, okay. um, it's just a little portrait. And then yeah. I'm doing a couple more portraits and commissions for cool. people for Christmas kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then actually I have a friend of mine, Matt Bowen, who lives in Vancouver and yeah. we're looking to do potentially like, a. um a show together in Vancouver. Cool. So yeah, probably looking at doing some more figurative work. I love using my kids as models for that. Yeah. Um, and they're
0: changing so much yeah. too. So it's pretty cool to set that down. Totally.
1: In, totally. Uh, paint. yeah, it's really cool. So, uh,
0: where can people find your
1: art? Uh, basically Instagram is a great spot. Um, yeah. just my name, David Vect. And, um, I'm just being told now my kids are on their way back. So Okay,
0: good. This is, I'm just wrapping uh, us up. So it's um, perfect.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, basically just Instagram right now. And then, yeah. um, they can contact me if anyone wants to do commissions or anything like that. Yeah. They can contact yeah. me through direct message. Uh, cool. I used to have a website, but I kind of ditched it cause it was Who full of old stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But yeah.
1: Yeah. That's where I'd say you'd find it the quickest and easiest.
0: Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to talk about?
1: Um, no, I feel like I feel like we hit everything that I was kind of expecting or, or looking cool. forward to talking about. Um, yeah. I could go on forever about you know, painting and, and you know the technical mm. side, but that, that's not right. really what this is about. so right um, yeah. yeah, no, I, uh, I enjoyed our conversation a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, as somebody who's, I mean known you for a long time and cares about you deeply, the work you do matters it matters to me thank you yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, i have you know i have that that painting on my wall of a woman reading and like oh yeah all that fabric that was
1: one of my first paintings in my studio up in rider lake oh, and actually man. that was right around the time where i was like yep let's do this let's go for it and oh, start wow. painting more and yeah, it's
0: above our couch yeah
1: oh right on right yeah, on and yeah, i had yeah. so, i
0: love her because she's just like lost in a book and i yeah. feel like I'm her. She is nice. Me. Nice.
1: <laughs> I had yeah. such a great time with you and Jonathan in Calgary when we came visiting oh, so with Gord, too. That was awesome.
0: Know, that was, was great. Really, really a treat. Yeah. Yeah, you matter to me, Dave. I'm ah, so glad that you, you leaned into this conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. And we'll be in touch. Say hi to all your kids. Okay, I will. And Sonia.
1: Okay. See you there. Okay, then. bye, Dave. Bye. Lots of love. My name is John, and I help Bobby make the episodes for Between Sundays. The ever-evolving nature of Bobby and Dave's friendship strikes a chord with me as I reflect on how I came to the Commons community back in 2016. Some of my closest relationships at Commons now are evolutions of more casual friendships that I had back in my college days that I couldn't have predicted, but I'm grateful for all the same. Between Sundays is a production of Commons Church and the Commons Podcast Network. Bobby Sockled is the host and Jonathan Petkow is the producer. Artwork comes to us from Angie Ishak. Special thanks to Dave Vect for coming to hang out with us. You can follow us on Instagram at BTW Sundays. See you next time.